Okay, I feel like I just met Jeff Bezos. Not really, but I'm telling you, I speak with startups and entrepreneurs all the time, and this gentleman is special. Uh, I'd like you to meet Daniel Vassallo. We got together to discuss his acquisition of userbase.com and why he spent 25% of his entire startup budget on a premium.com, not just for any startup, but a B2B startup, which you know generally spend less on their domains than a B2C. This interview is so much more than that. Daniel has very unique perspectives on business. He discusses how he made 70K off an ebook he just launched a couple months ago and how he proactively built his Twitter audience to 22,000 followers in a year. I hope you enjoy the show and meeting Daniel just as much as I did. FD was built by domain investors to increase your inquiries, sales, and profit. Forget spreadsheets and archived emails. Manage your entire investment portfolio in one place using a secure and completely confidential platform. Learn more at FT.com. That's E-F-T-Y. FT.com. Hey, Sherpa Network. I'm Tess Diaz, executive producer of DomainSherpa.com. And today we have a founder and entrepreneur here to tell his story about upgrading to the best version of a .com. Joining us is Daniel Vassalo of userbase.com. Hi, Daniel. How you doing? Hi, Tess. Thank you for having me. Very good. Thanks. Oh, it's a delight to have you. So you have founded this company, self-funded. Uh, it sounds very enterprising. And it sounds like it was part of your plan. You developed it on userbase.dev. And then before launch, just uh, about 10, 12 weeks ago, you transitioned to userbase.com. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So the getting the dot com was in part of the plan originally. I had settled on user base after brainstorming some name ideas. And uh, the only thing I looked for was that there weren't any businesses that I could see running. I did a trademark search, trademark was available. I filed the trademark uh, paperwork. And uh, I acquired the dot dev because, you know, I saw that the dot com was unavailable and uh, I didn't pursue it. I didn't think it was important for me. This was a B2B business, is a B2B business for other software developers. And uh, sort of initially, I didn't think that the dot com was essential. Um, actually, I still think it wouldn't have, it's still not essential, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, I chose to buy it anyway. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so it started with the plan to launch with the .com, then sort of the opportunity arose with, with the .dev, and then the opportunity arose to uh, to buy the .com. And this was a bit of a dilemma because, first of all, I had never bought a domain before. This wasn't sort of you know the regular nine ninety nine, twelve ninety nine <laughs> available on the market, um, and um, and I had a fixed budget for this. This was still an experiment, right? I had set some. Um, I had some money of how much I wanted to invest and buying the dot-com was going to be a significant uh, portion of that budget. And I was sort of reluctant to exceed it. I wanted to stay disciplined and not sort of make a bigger investment than I wanted to sort of 
uh, told that it's potentially losing, right? Because the business hadn't even launched yet when I bought the dot com, right? So it was a very speculative um, bet, right? That it's going to hopefully uh, pay off in the long term. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I'd really like to pick your brain about that because a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the B2B business, don't see a reason for the best version.com of their uh, brand or domain. And it's really interesting, you know, and especially being self-funded, you have a very limited budget and that you chose to invest a significant portion in this. Um, let's walk through that, yeah. that thought process. Um, but first, so you came over from uh, about eight years as a software engineer for Amazon. Correct. Yes. Okay. Tell me, tell me a little bit what you did over at Amazon. Yeah. So I was working in the cloud computing division. Uh, it's basically the, the wing of Amazon that's, um, that builds software for other software developers to build their own websites and web applications on top of it. So I wasn't part of the amazon.com, the e-commerce site, right? It was more on the technology side. And yeah, uh, eight and a half years. Um, and I was building mostly my customers at Amazon were other software developers and sort of I really, I really enjoyed that space. And this is also what UserBase is doing, um, uh, helping other web developers build web applications very easily without having to set up servers, uh, databases, and deal with security and other complicated things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so my journey at Amazon was, I mean, I think uh, it was it, it was good by many measures. I was very well compensated. I got promoted many times. I sort of I had my own reputation there. Things were working very well, but I think something clicked in me, probably nearly about five years ago. Right? So it started, I think, in, mid, in my midpoint in the in the in, in the journey there. But I think I realized that probably a, a career as a full time employee wasn't the ideal path for me. I was basically looking at other people that had been there. 10 years, 20 years, right? and I didn't really envy <laughs> their position. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like, it's not like I, they, you know, they, they were tremendously skilled people, very knowledgeable. I would have envied their, <laughs> their knowledge and skills, but sort of their day-to-day -day job, I didn't see myself being satisfied and rewarded doing that. And um, it has been mostly been a mental process of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, what other universe could exist. <laughs> that um, would be better for me. And I think initially I was considering many people, uh, many of my peers that have had left to do something on, the, on their own typically would have gone the Silicon Valley route, I call it. So they would start a business, they try to get VC <clears throat> funding um, to build something big. And initially I think my idea was well inclined towards that part, but I think then I also realized that would, that would have probably have come with similar burdens, if, even, if not even more than just full-time employment, because once you take investments, you're still essentially reporting to someone. And probably even more, right? Because at least, you know, when you're employed, you could always leave, right? If you're two weeks notice. <laughs> um, but if you were to take something like that, you're probably more... Um, uh, restricted right, with what you can do if things are not working out. So my, my mental process evolved to imagining a bootstrapped 
part right where i'm building something on my own where i'm self-funding it i call my own shots i don't have to sort of uh i could um uh, i could take it how i wanted to pursue things that i want not pursue things that i'd rather not pursue um and uh, that's basically what i ended up doing i pretty much left my job without a concrete plan right so i spent i knew that i was going to live off my savings for a while i spent some time just researching ideas um, I started building a, an audience a little bit, mostly on Twitter. Initially, I started blogging, but then sort of I settled on documenting my journey on Twitter and it sort of formed a little bit of a community of other people interested in following someone else doing something like this. And um, uh, and that helped a lot right? because sort of there's somebody listening now. It's not like I'm doing things and just releasing them into the void, like I get feedback. And incidentally, the, the, the name user base came from somebody suggested it, right? Actually, I was still brainstorming online, literally in the open. I had some other ideas. <laughs> um, and anyway, long story short, um, this has been my path. Like pretty much 2019 had been uh, in February, I left my job and sort of spent a few months brainstorming, came up with, with this, this business idea, had been developing pretty much until the end of the year, was at least the first version uh, in late January of this year, so a couple of months ago. And um, now I intend to keep going it, keep sort of working on it, so I, there's still lots more to do. Um, but that's basically it uh, in, in, uh, that's in a That's really <laughs> unusual. Um, you started out with the idea of being an entrepreneur, I mean, most people start with an idea, a problem they want to fix, a product they want to sell, or a service. You started out with a lifestyle you wanted to pursue and step by step have gone about it. That's, that's, um, no, absolutely. And I think, uh, you, I think you described it correctly. Like it was this change had been a life. I wanted to basically, I realized that when I was a full-time employee, that my lifestyle wouldn't have changed. There was basically very room for improvement, regardless of how much more I was getting compensated or how much more I was getting promoted. Um, and uh, this was an attempt to design my lifestyle in a way that better matches my preferences. As well, yes, I have more freedom to do things. Um, but I completely, yeah, I completely see it that way that I think it's, um, I prefer uh, starting with my constraints and my preferences and arriving to idea to an idea as a result of those things rather than, um, I think it's more likely to succeed as well. Right? I think if the, 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 the approach where you have your idea and you try to do it at all costs, I think it's a, it's a potentially insidious trap of risking more than you intend to risk, right? And just, you just get, you know, so, so tied to that idea that you start taking imprudent risks, right? And um, um, I basically tried to carve to arrive to the idea by starting with, first of all, what, what can I afford to build, right? Because not everything I could, I could do by myself. What are my interests, which was another important thing. I wanted to do something that, that I, would like to continue doing for a long time 
and um, and again like what's what 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 matches my skills in terms of what i can promote and keep keep operating and things like that so it was a process of elimination <laughs> more than uh, a big light bulb moment where i just say you know this is it this is my life's work i'm going to do it at all costs <laughs> no matter what yeah that's that's really unique thinking um and very um forward thinking and somewhat uh, some might say visionary to see yourself in the the bigger picture like that so tell me daniel at what point did you recognize well first of all actually so you started on a dot death which yeah. like you are the ultimate geek you are every geek's dream right <laughs> First of all, you're a native of Malta, which yeah. is like geek headquarters. It's like an <laughs> island full of developers, right? I mean, yeah. I know everyone yes. in the casino industry loves being there, the gaming industry. I mean, I picture like your nightclubs <laughs> as like the matrix and people like yeah. coding while they dance or something crazy. I don't know. Um, and then, then you move from there to Amazon and after eight and a half years at Amazon, you're still in the Seattle area, which is pretty much, you know, I mean, geek headquarters, USA. Um, so then, so I think, you know, first of all, just being surrounded by that ecosystem for so long must affect your um, way of thinking, all your perceptions. But um, that dev, not every, this may surprise you, um, but not everyone knows about dot dev. So, you know, it's for developers. How, how did you get a dot dev in the first place? Just real quick. Oh, no. Um, to be honest, I didn't care much about the domain. Initially, I was considering even uh, something uh, that wasn't the exact name, like user, get user base or something like that, or say user base, you know, some of these other creative ideas. Um, I had I had heard, I, I knew several developers uh, that had uh, been getting the .dev when Google announced it, I think, I don't remember, it was probably it was a year about a year ago, ago February so, yeah. so, 2019. So yeah, I didn't think much about it. I looked it up, it was available and I grabbed it. Like, uh, the type of business that I have it was the one that I was imagining that um, uh, business and customers are unlikely to be coming to be coming in from not even search engines or not even from uh, you know uh, it was mostly word of mouth and high touch onboarding right so I, I didn't really think that uh, having uh, the signal of a, you know of a good domain mattered much. At that time, right? Then, sort of, my 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 thinking evolved a little bit on that aspect. Uh, but yeah, initially, I didn't think much of it, and I was very happy. Like I had a domain, um, and I didn't think much about it. Um, then, then what happened? Uh, if if you want me to get into it, like uh, out of curiosity, uh, I met. I was talking with someone online that's sort of a bit of a domain geek, uh, and. Uh, uh, sort of he mentioned to me that i might want to look at acquiring the .com and he recommended a broker and again like i thought let's give it a shot and um uh, i had a very low budget i thought uh, well i was already starting to feel that uh that there might be some benefits that wasn't necessarily in terms of 
discoverability, right? Which is what I, at the time, that's what I thought the dot-com mattered most. But I thought, then I was starting to think that just having the dot-com was just a signal that this is not some hobby project that I built in the weekends right, and just threw out there. Like I, I invested a significant amount of money in it. This was something um, real and professional. And uh, I was already starting to think about that the dot-com might signal that, right? That somebody using it might say, okay, um, you know, the, again, like this is not uh, some, potentially something smaller. Like that's fly by night company. That's exactly yeah. right, and and especially in this space, there's lots of that. So I like very uh, weekend projects. We call them like somebody somebody tries puts it out there. If it sticks, <laughs> uh, we'll see. And it was definitely not the case. But I, again, like I didn't know what to expect. I have I had absolutely no idea whether something like userbase.com would go for five thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars. I had absolutely no clue. Um, so I, I reached out to this broker and he indicated that the price would likely be between 20,000 and so on and so forth. There was a, there was a $1,000 fee with the broker to do the initial, uh, and to try to reach out to the owner. And I paid it again, just again, that most of it would have been just an experience like to, to learn and understand. Um, and, uh, long story short, the broker managed to reach out to the owner and the owner was asking for hundred thousand dollars, which was beyond what I was expecting. And again, like I didn't really know whether it was the right value or whatever, but it was definitely outside of what I was willing to spend. Hundred thousand dollars was basically the full budget that I had for this project. Right? So that's, that's how much I had allocated in terms of how much I was going to invest, um, in terms of initial development. Right? So, um, so, uh, and then basically I forgot about it, right? Um, but I, I did the who is look up and I realized that it was going to expire. This is a really funny story, right? And I don't know <laughs> um, how common it is, but it was going to expire in, in about three weeks. Right? So this happened in, in early November, like when I reached to the broker and it was going to expire, I think on the 28th November. And I set a monitor would go daddy to get alerted just in case it expired again. Like my complete ignorance about how all these things work. I just set this up, paid the fee, whatever it was, $20 or whatever to set this up. And to my surprise, like sometime in December, I got an email that this had expired, which to me, it sounded very quite unbelievable that somebody was asking me for hundred thousand dollars for it yeah. <laughs> uh, just five weeks before. And, um, and I was obviously I could participate in the auction, and again, like I was, I was very, I was thanked to. Basically, I realized that this was an, you know, probably my only opportunity, or it was very unlikely that I was going to be able to buy it at a at a low price or a lowish price um, ever again. Like so, it was one of the reasons why uh, I chose to end up doing it, so just because it was. The, an opportunity, right? And I was starting again to realize that even though, as as we touched on before, right, even though I don't think the dot-com is important for discoverability purposes in my business, uh, the type of business that I have is that I'm expecting quite a lot of trust from my customers and holding the data for their websites and the, their web applications, right? And sort of, I started to think again, like whether the signaling of like, this is something, you know, that there's money invested in, right? That this is, you know, basically I was psychologically, I was imagining that if I was able to, you know, purchase an expensive domain, this is definitely not a, 
you know, not something that I'm just doing with no, <laughs> no. No, you're right. Domain, domains signal trust. And if that's important in your B2B relationships, um, that's, yeah. I th- that's I th- a I think great way, especially yeah. starting out to immediately set that um, expectation and also to differentiate yourself from the other weekend projects that exactly. are out there. And I think the, the dilemma was, it, it's def- trust is definitely important, but how how uh, how important it is. Basically, what price is uh, basically that was it. Because yeah. I knew it was important, and obviously, um, again, like I had to operate with a, with a, with with the constraints of my budget, right? Uh, and um, uh, it was basically figuring out um, how much it was worth it. Anyway. So I started participating in the in the in the auction. I arrived up to twenty five thousand dollars, but it kept going up, right? So pretty much, very quickly, it kept going up to to thirty thirty five, and it stopped at thirty five. Hey Daniel, can I interrupt yes. you for a minute? Of course. Had you ever bid on a domain before? Oh no, this was my first ever experience. Yeah. So again, like I was completely unaware of. What, again, like even small details, like how would I pay for it? Like I, I didn't have a credit card that had up to thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> Let me like small things <laughs> yes. like this. Yeah, like um, uh, clicking but, away. So so, but I was ready. Like I was ready to pay. Like somehow I, 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 up to that bid. Like again, like I kept thinking about it. I said, okay, sure, it's expensive, but it was probably the only opportunity that I have. Like I reasoned to it. But I drew the line at twenty five thousand. I basically once it kept going up, I realized that again, like I, it was going to become an imprudent risk for me. Right? This is this business that hasn't even started yet. I didn't even know if I'm going to get even a single customer. I didn't know anything. Right? So, yeah, uh, I wanted to keep, um, uh, you know, basically mo- money for me right now. Now that I'm living off my savings and trying to build money means, you know. Uh, it gives me a second chance to try something else so this works out right so i was basically trading off that optionality of doing some other thing that right? if this wasn't working out right? so it was um uh it's how so I it's was like the, the risk reward matrix what our um access was just at the tipping point at, at 25 point yeah exactly so. and, and this is all very hard to quantify right uh, so i was just playing it by gut feel right so um, yeah. i stopped there uh, so it went over and, uh, um, and, uh, again, like I forgot about it. I thought, okay, it's lost. I, I, I sort of convinced myself that it's okay. <laughs> uh, maybe if the business succeeds in the future, I'll pursue it again. Right. And if not, I'll just make, make do without it. Um, uh, uh, but then again, like another fascinating thing that happened, apparently the top two bidders, didn't complete the purchase, which I thought was quite a bizarre. Uh, actually, I thought it was quite a, quite a strange thing again in, in the process. Like was, I was very tempted to build at thirty five thousand and keep bidding, right? Which uh, it's it seems it seems to me very unfair that there were like you know bidders bidding at that price range that didn't even complete complete the the purchase. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, GoDaddy called me once at 6 a.m. in the morning and said, look, if you're still interested, <laughs> pay within 24 hours. And it's yours, like the top two bidders um, bailed out. And uh, and again, like I had gone, like the, those 24 hours gone again, even like uh, I had already set the line at 25,000. I had between 
between then and the time I, I thought I lost the bid, I had already convinced myself that it was okay to, <laughs> to start without it. So I had again, so, went to the process of, is this still worth it? Um, but I went to it, right? So I ended up acquiring it and, um, uh, and that was the story. Um, in terms of results, to be honest, I think it's too early to say, like, I don't really know. Um, so the business so far, had, you know, it's, it's, it started, started well. It's encouraging. I have my first 50 paid customers, which is sort of in line with what I was hoping to, to, to do by this time. Um, I don't really have a before and after comparison. And even if I did, it's probably the numbers are still too small to, to infer anything. That's okay. We'll have you back in a year. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, I think um, uh, I sort of, I'm still, I, 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 I definitely appreciate more like it was me reflecting right and then like looking at it from a different angle right because as we were saying before right before uh, I was seeing pretty much like there was nearly no value in it but now I definitely and I've put my money <laughs> uh, to 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 um, you know where my, my mouth is <laughs> to believe that there is some value uh, some significant value right in uh, in the signaling aspect at least right even if the discoverability is unlikely to be uh important for me yeah um, uh, so yeah that's pretty much uh the 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 whole story that's a great story <laughs> so you had no plan on how to make payment i mean clearly you had the money but you didn't have a plan on how to make payment and GoDaddy said you have 24 hours what'd you do so um uh, I had a credit card with Chase. I had two credit cards with a, with a bank with Chase that neither of them had enough limit, but them combined had enough. And then I called the bank and they actually very quickly put all my limit on one of the cards and that was sort of enough. And I just paid by credit card basically the whole the whole sum. Um, I think if it didn't work out, I would have likely reached out to GoDaddy to see what other arrangements, but um i didn't get to that step so i don't know <laughs> you probably know more than me what <laughs> uh, what people tend to do but again yeah it was i think for me uh, if i got something out of it it was again like this whole experience of of how 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 this how domain ordering and auctioning and things like that works um i don't think the lesson was worth twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> so hopefully i get something more out of it but uh, it was, there was a little bit of that. <laughs> well, you got quite the story. That is a very unusual story. I mean, I read your article on medium.com that you wrote about a year ago, why yeah. I left my 500 K job yes. at Amazon. Um, and this too, you have another really unusual yeah. story. Um, and most entrepreneurs don't that like, this is not the typical acquisition process, but this is very um interesting to hear how you you went through the thought and decision making process three times yeah. first when you reached out to the broker then at the auction when you lost and then when they gave you a second chance and yeah. each time you really concluded this um the the credibility the signaling was so vital to what you're doing um, how many startups do you see with all your friends and in your um, general ecosystem start and fail or change paths? No, it's. Uh, I think, I think it's very it's very common, right, for startups to to change paths. At least, uh, I think it depends a lot. Um, 
on the type of startups, the way they are backed, most likely, like if you, mostly I think the big category difference is whether you take you have investors or not. Right? I think once you take investments, there's certain expectations. If it looks like you're not going to them, you basically um, you get forced to either change paths or 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 quit. Right? Um, I think in my case. Uh, or in the type of bootstrapped businesses that I'm doing where costs are low in terms of operating costs, even though developing was uh, quite expensive, but now running it is is, is quite low. Um, the the odds of failure are, are, are quite low right? because it's not, really, it's not really taking much time for me to operate. It's not expensive for me. Basically, even the front 50 customers that I have, they're pretty much already breaking even with all my expenses, right? And... Um, sort of it's like the worst case scenario here is a slow success i call it like that this takes five years ten years and i'm like this is the type of business that i'm willing to to wait for it right i have nobody pressuring me i could do other things on the side as well which i'm doing right some other small side projects (laughs) um uh, and um uh it's uh again like it's sort of it's how i've been thinking about risk taking in this case right i didn't want to uh, take on something with lots of obligations that has a high likelihood of of failing, right? Because, uh, as we discussed before, right, this is this is um, basically um, I'm taking a very risk averse approach. I would I would call it. Right? It's basically I, I'm trying to make decisions such that this lifestyle that I'm enjoying a lot doesn't get taken away from me, <laughs> right? So rather than trying to maximize profit, right, or trying to sort of maximize my opportunities i'm just making decisions where i'm minimizing the chance that i have to go back uh, to full-time employment essentially um and and again this even this thinking that uh, sort of played a factor in my sort of where i drew the line of how much i wanted to spend in my domain right again just because my runway is my savings balance right and that was sort of uh, chipping in from it um, but no, I mean, uh, all business are speculative at the end of the day. Right? So I think sort of one way of um, mitigating that risk is just to have plans for either do other things simultaneously or just make making sure that some things, something that you're running, right, are, the, the expenses are low so that sort of there's, there's very little cost in letting it, um, you know, develop and uh, not not have to sort of the ticker the timer right where uh, you have to make it work within six months otherwise you have to sort of dissolve everything i try to avoid that those situations (laughs) that's really really good advice and clearly um comes from someone who's been around it a lot and seen a lot you took your time making this decision um so (laughs) what do you expect in the coming year for userbase.com yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm expecting a slow success. <laughs> uh, I'm expecting um, so uh, again. Like this is the kind of business that uh, it's not an impulse buy, or you know, you announce it and people are just going to get the credit card out of their wallet and pay immediately. I have to wait for people to have an idea to build a website or a web application or a mobile app, uh, and then sort of they need to consider their options and then they need to choose me. Right, so there's that lag between the product being available and then sort of the customer's timing and lines with um, them being ready to do something about it. So I, I think 
so far, all the signals are encouraging. As we said before, sort of, uh, lots of people tried it. Uh, some became paying customers. Uh, this weekend, actually, there were a couple of my customers that announced their own web applications. Right? It was sort of the first time that uh, they, my customers are building their own businesses on top of my business, which is which is good. That's exciting. Uh, at least the first time that I know about it. <laughs> um, so uh, I think uh, I don't really have a plan. Actually, I I'm not a big fan of very of even planning. Right? I think I sort of like to keep options open and I take it step by step, play it by ear. Uh, definitely, if there was a plan, definitely I intend to keep this going. Right? I have no intention of you know, if this doesn't reach some goal, I'm going to shut it down or I'm going to do that or this, right? So this is basically uh, keep improving um, slowly, like keep listening to customer feedback, adjust accordingly, and um, and basically, yeah, keep iterating, right? Uh, I think for me personally, in the meantime, since sort of, I still, I, I still haven't yet, I still can't claim that I have made self-employment completely sustainable, right? I'm still sort of not earning enough money from user base to sort of pay all the bills. Um, I'm still potentially exploring other small side things. Like for example, um, I, I wrote an ebook recently, which did very well about my uh, sort of some of the a technical book about sort of some of the work I did at Amazon, um, which, uh, which did spectacularly well, actually, I believe it, I was quite surprised. This I managed to sell. So I announced, I released this on Christmas Day. So about, I think, 11 weeks and managed to sell about $70,000 of worth of, uh, pretty much this was an ebook, right? So my costs were practically nothing. Um, and this wow. was all marketed uh, on on Twitter, right? So I, we, we talked about it before, that's right, where I started building this audience, that right, which um, I've been documenting. Uh, my whole journey, right? All these details that we're talking about, even the domain domain process, right? I I I shared on Twitter when the first time I, I reached out to the broker and the broker came back with 100k. I tweeted about it, got some attention, people were interested, and same about the auction, right? As well, after I've I've I thought I lost it, I posted that I lost it, right? And sort of it's all all pieces of information that helped me gather. I think uh, about 21,000 followers on Twitter, where I started pretty much from nothing um, uh, last year, uh, all pretty much by documenting uh, what, I, what, what, what I'm doing. And so writing this book was another idea, like, again, like an experiment. I time-boxed pretty much a month of working on it. I didn't even spend a month. I spent about 20 days, basically. Um, it was a topic that pretty much wrote itself, right? It was a topic, something that I understood really well. And I just had to basically articulate it in words. And I've put it on this platform called Gumroad, which allows you to sort of up, um, sell digital uh, creations, like things like that, like eBooks or software uh, very easily without having to set up merchant accounts with banks and so on and so forth. And I just tweeted about it on Twitter. Right? Basically, I, I wrote this, so I would be honored if you check it out. And pretty much on the first day, I sold like $10,000, which was quite incredible. <laughs> Again, like I had never wrote anything. I had never been paid for um, <laughs> for writing before. And, um, uh, and since then, sort of sales have obviously declined since the launch day, but I'm still making a couple of hundred dollars a day. Right? I, I expect them to slow down because I think that's the nature of this business, right? We get like this big spike initially. 
and um, but basically this opened up another opportunity for me you know, that I could probably do something like this again like and sort of supplement my income um, uh, and I'm thinking in fact I was just thinking about it this week probably uh, this, my, my, my audience basically on Twitter has been very curious about the process of building an audience <laughs> right it's sort of I've been talking about it a lot in terms of how I'm sort of been able to again like without pretty much any social media experience until last year i've been just experimenting we started with the, that blog post that you mentioned and then sort of settled on twitter um and i think this is another topic that there's lots of interest about that i could probably write something on um that again like could sort of be another it's part of the whole entrepreneurial journey right sort of yeah. multiple basically multiple income streams it's something that I underestimated in the beginning when I left, I thought that I'm going to sort of focus on one thing and then if it doesn't work out, I'll do something else. Like so I had like this idea that things are going to be, I'll do things in serious rather than parallel. But uh, now I'm realizing that uh, it's even at the cost of efficiency or losing some focus, like it's, it's, it's nearly easier to do some things in parallel. It's just you know, the, 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 these things are very randomness laden, I call them, like where you're starting uh, uh, a business, like you, you don't know if it's going to work out. You don't, if it's going to work out, you don't know when or how long you're going to have to wait. I think having like two or three things in parallel makes it just more comfortable psychologically. You don't, you're, you're just not feeling you have all the eggs in one basket, right? If, if uh, you, you have this and this and that, right, it's just easier to shift attention to one or the other sometimes right and um, uh, it just tames the answer the uncomfortable uncertain yeah. part of it right a little bit i the, think that's a quotable quote yeah um, it tames the uncertain uncomfortable part of it you're yeah. right very much so so um your ebook i do want to give you a little shout out a uh, gumroad.com and if you just search like aws good yeah AWS good parts, right away yes. and this this book is essentially it helps um people understand which parts of aws uh, what features they may be missing or what they may not need to utilize so it kind of gives a guide i would say yeah. a, a, like an expert levels guide to using aws Yes, it's a, it's a, so I've chosen to, most technical guides tend to be the exhaustive, comprehensive guides where you get like A to Z, all the details, all the quirks. Um, this is a very, like this AWS, right? It's the sort of the product that Amazon sells for developers, right? but it's, it's ex super extensive. Right? There's like thousands of small features and things like that. And um, sort of in this book, I focus on the most important parts. Right? That's why sort of I, uh, it's, it's not an exhaustive guide it's just the really really valuable things that if you were to know about them um i think it's like 95 percent of what you need to to know about right and it's it's meant to be a dense exchange of information right uh, it's short it goes straight to the point again like it leaves out details by design uh so that it doesn't get into the weeds things that are not very important um, and uh, I think it was 
I think this format worked well for both things. Again, like because I time boxed it, I wanted to do something quickly. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to invest a year. Like some of friends of mine that have wrote written technical books, like spent like months and years, right? And working with a publisher and like it's a big full time commitment. This was again like an experiment. I had no idea whether I was going to sell one copy or hundred copies. Right. It, this, the outcome was definitely beyond what I expected, like selling. I think I saw like over 2,000, I think 2,100 or something like that copies so far. Um, but at the time, again, like it was another speculative risk, right? Uh, speculative bet. My and I wanted favorite, to keep it small. <laughs> I like when you post it on Twitter, you're like, I'm kind of honored that yes. someone used fraud oh, yeah. <laughs> to buy my book. That was a <laughs> like funny, that's yeah. when you read it, Daniel. <laughs> I'm gonna yes. steal someone's credit card so I can buy this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hilarious. So, um, you know, I think that our audience would love to hear just a little bit about your Twitter journey. Yeah. So you're saying you started on Twitter a year ago. <laughs> you, I'm looking, you've only posted um so, oh we're, oh yeah six a little over six thousand times yeah. i guess in a year that is yeah. a lot um but you have 21.2 thousand followers um and and you are an extraordinary subject matter expert so i think you know you always have to look at what you have to offer first um but then you so the first thing you did was write the post for medium on why you and a great title why i quit my five hundred thousand dollar a year job at amazon um and then just from there what what was your journey yeah what, what tips do you have for others no yeah this this started again uh it wasn't part of my initial plan to focus on building an audience but I, it was literally in the first week that like I remember. So I left my job on February 1st, like it was a Friday. On Monday, like I sat here at the same desk and I was thinking of I'm going to start building something, uh, building a product. But very quickly, I had a little bit of, an, sort of, a, of a small crisis. I was imagining myself spending three months, six months building something, and then I announced it and nobody shows up. Right? And, and then what? <laughs> right? So... Um, I, I had heard from other people right, uh, that it's good to have an audience. I, I didn't even know what it meant, to be honest. Like, it was like a vague term that I heard before. Um, so I spent that week, instead of build, trying to build a product, I was trying to imagine, to, to be honest, researching a little bit what building an audience meant and sort of trying to think what I had that I could offer right, that might be interesting. Uh, for... But again, look at how you thought at the end. When I launch, who's going to buy it? That's yeah. so important. It doesn't matter how great your product is if either yeah, there's think... no one to sell it to or you've spent all your money creating it and you don't have the outlet to sell it. So I see you did that on Twitter and on your domain name. You're like, where am I yeah. going to buy this? And how am I going to be positioned well in that? No, absolutely. I think when you have skin in the game, that when it's your money, your life, your business, these things nearly become automatic, right? It's, it's, I think, and that's, I think, what, what changed. That, that's why I didn't think about the audience before, because once I realized that, you know, this is, this is, this is important, right? This is yeah. uh, <laughs> sort of something in me made me realize it, right? It's sort of, uh, um, um, so, uh, 
so again like so i i kept thinking what what is it what is it and what do i have already that's how i started thinking that i could share and maybe get get some attention and then yeah. again like play it by ear and see where it goes and uh, the, uh, the first thing i wrote was that blog post and the inspiration came because like the week before i had basically told all, all my colleagues at amazon like that i was leaving and I thought I was going to be basically telling them in 15 minutes, okay, I'm leaving, doing something else. But the discussions, most of them ended up taking like three hours. Like I ended up spending time in the office until seven, eight in the evening, just talking with my, my peers. Like, and I could sense there was lots of interest. Like, why are you leaving? Like, things were working out so well. It's very interesting. And others were telling me that they had other ideas themselves and we kept discussing it. So yeah. uh, I sensed that, that that could be an interesting topic, right? To just share my perspective of uh, an unusual way of leaving a career that was working out well. And I think, to be honest, I think I was a, I was a bit lucky. I wrote it on, on Medium. I posted it on a couple of places, like there's a hacker news community and there's like Reddit and a couple of places. I got a ton, got got ton, ton of visits. I think got something like forty thousand views in the first couple of days. Got picked up by a few sort of uh, high profile people on Twitter, and it got me my first. I think it got me my first eight hundred followers. I started from pretty much zero, and that those couple of days, and uh, um, and then I kept pretty much building slowly from it. I think initially, uh, I. The, like the, the next couple of weeks i wrote a few other blog posts um pretty much sort of like sharing a bit of details about my financial planning about how i allocated my savings and how I dealt with health insurance life insurance and other things that um i thought were interesting got a little bit of more extra attention but i settled on twitter as my platform of choice because I mean, writing a blog post is, takes time, right? I mean, that blog, blog post took me a couple of days to do it, right? And um, uh, Twitter just felt more natural in terms of documenting something as it's happening. Basically, I realized that that's where the interest is. Like, people seem to be very, very fascinated by uh, following a story along in real time, right? Because I think when you're explaining a story, you know in retrospective right sort of you always get the sense like you never really know what the author is leaving out just you know sharing only the good parts and <laughs> like leaving out all the other things that fail and whatever but i think sort of i sense that there's 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 interest right and you know let me just explain little by little what i'm doing how i'm thinking about options um and um uh, I, I again, like it's very hard to measure in the beginning. Like I was just experimenting with sharing different things, and I was sort of sensing that just by people responding and people liking my tweets and engaging, that there's interest in doc journey documentation, basically. <laughs> and it's what I kept doing. And I think initially the following started to grow after those initial 800 followers by. Um, by by engaging with other people right and by basically um uh, uh, replying to people that ask me questions like how did you do that and sort of it's pretty much word of mouth right it's uh initially it was quite slow now nowadays uh this is i see the manifestation of word of mouth pretty much every day i like wake up and i see notifications on my phone like people saying you should check out diva salos Twitter account, you should check out user base, you should check out this. Like these are strangers that I don't know, but 
you know, but they know me a little bit just by following me and they're just uh, recommending me to their friends. Yeah. Um, and, and this was happening even in the beginning at a much lower scale. But I think this is how the growth started, right? Where um, you get a sort of a small base of people that have, have started to know you a little bit. Sometimes they, 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 they email you, you communicate back and sort of you form a little bit of a, of a relationship and they keep um, telling their friends about you, right? And it just keeps growing like that. Um, and no, this was a fascinating dynamic and a very fascinating experience as well. And I, probably I would say that my biggest asset, if you were to call it that way, that I've built over this first 12 months has been the audience, right? Because I think it's just the ability to be able to announce something and somebody is listening back is uh, super valuable, right? Um, like the book, for like to to measure to try to measure it in financial terms. Like the book, I could have written it like twelve months ago, right? As soon as I left the job, but I'm pretty certain I wouldn't have sold any, right? I maybe maybe a couple of friends <laughs> that would have sort of um, felt bad personally for bad for me exactly. Um, the fact that like it managed to sell so well, right? To make seventy thousand dollars and just very quickly. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my own followers that bought it, right? It was just this effect where uh, some did, obviously, but some uh, just, just mentioned it to other people, right? And just said, you, you might want to check out this book, right, uh, from this guy, right? And it's, uh, uh, it's fascinating. Like the, the, the tweet when I announced the book got something like 400,000 views, right? which quite way beyond my normal organic reach of typical 20,000. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite, quite incredible, right? It's, it's sort of, I think social media has made word of mouth thrive again, right? Like after nearly essentially dominated by big businesses, sort of dominating advertising and marketing by like one way, you know, uh, TV ads and expensive marketing, it has allowed, you know, somebody just with uh, with very limited resources, like to do something and just uh, reach people just by word of mouth, like uh, yeah. organically. Yeah, um, you're a smart guy. I really feel like you are going to go. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, Daniel, um, everybody really wants to know what it's like to work at Amazon. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially in the cloud tech area. Um, yeah. Give us some details. Yeah, so Amazon has a reputation of being a bit of a ruthless employer, and I think um, I think it's a bit exaggerated. Um, it's uh, I think I think there's a culture of big tech. I call it right where Amazon. I think it's quite similar to any other big tech company like Microsoft or Apple or Netflix and so on and so forth. Uh, I can't speak from first-hand experience, but from other people that I worked with that explains that things are very similar. Um, it's, uh, I think, the, 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 the part at Amazon is that um, I think if you like or if you flourish or if you thrive in a structured environment with a decent, with still some amount of liberty, Right. Amazon is a really great environment because I think uh, it allows especially technical engineers and product managers and people that are building products, digital products, 
to make several decisions locally within a small team. Like I was in a team of like, I think it never was more than 10 people. It was averaged between five and 10 people. Um, and we made lots of decisions locally without having to ask for permissions from directors and ma general managers and so on and so forth, um, with some exceptions. Obviously, there were other things like pricing and other important things that had to go all the way up. And that I think, especially in the early part of my career, was really important to me. Right? I, I think I would have left much sooner if every small decision had to be like... Um, uh, uh, had like lots of red tape and lots of bureaucracy like to get something done um as my as my sort of my career evolved there things did became more bureaucratic like i was getting uh, involved into bigger projects that involved much more people uh, more stakeholders and uh, throughout basically in the last couple of years there my job evolved to even though i was a programmer i had barely written a line of code in the last two years there I was basically um, uh, point of contact between my the team that of programmers and my managers and directors, and um, uh, and this where I, I, it's where the company believed I was most more valuable at, and I did get some satisfaction right from getting everyone aligned. And um, but again, as we discussed before, that like, wasn't something that I could imagine myself doing for a long time. Um, but no, I think all in all, look, uh, big tech in general, right? Big companies, Amazon is one of them. I think uh, it's definitely, I would highly recommend it, especially for people just starting out their career. Um, I think you learn a lot, especially initially. Pay is very good and it grows very quickly. Uh, again, like grew beyond my expectations. And, uh, and I think you get the opportunity to... Uh, see how things get done right without suffering the consequences on your own <laughs> right on, on your own skin right so it's just that experience of seeing things being built mistakes getting made right with a little bit of insulation from from the consequences right um so so yeah i i would definitely i like i would definitely recommend amazon like despite me leaving there um, and I got a lot out of it. Probably, I think, if I were to look back, uh, I would have wished that the eight years were a bit more condensed into like four years or something like that. But but you never you can't really say. Like I think it's the whole period that ends up making you who you are. Like so, it's 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 hard to tell <laughs> in in uh, in hindsight. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Ba thank you for sharing all sorts of different arenas. Um, truly, Daniel, I'm interested to see where you go. You are a fascinating thinker. Um, you have that, that um, social knack for catching on to what interests people and how to utilize that. Um, I think user base is going to be very successful, but I'm sure you are going to be very successful. Thank so you. <laughs> uh, promise me you'll come on in a year. Of course. <laughs> Good. Definitely. All right. We'll say goodbye to our network. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you, Tess, for having me. <laughs> of course.